you might be scratching your head saying, I thought we were Battleground Community Church. Oh, no, we, we thought um, as we cast biblical vision for the future, it would be encouraging and even helpful for us to remember where we came from. Because many of you wasn't here. Um, but that was probably, what was it, eight and a half, what was it, Micah, nine years ago? About ten years ago? Yeah. Whew. And uh, in, in reality, the church plant started before the worship starts uh, with planting a small group in, in the Kings Mountain. And uh, just to see, and you, you might ask, you know, I don't see any of those guys here anymore. I said, you're absolutely right. We deployed all of them for the cause of Christ. And a matter of fact, I'm going to talk about our sermon team that's going on uh, right now every week. And uh, Chris Parker, who was in here that used to do our kids and students, is a lead pastor in Dallas now. And uh, I, we have the privilege of laboring together for the gospel now in two separate churches that, that do things together and encourage and equip each other. So, so just I was just encouraged with that. But now we, we, we remember the past and we draw encouragement from it, but we plan for the future. So what does it look like as we press on towards the next four years at Battleground Community Church? That's what we want to do for the next few weeks. And so a little bit different kind of sermons uh, over the next three weeks, but important. So I would ask you to turn with your Bibles and uh, to Romans 12, and I know what you're I know what maybe some are thinking this morning, uh, why not, you know, you're not preaching a Mother's Day message and you're right, uh, but if I was going to pick a Mother's Day text, there's not a better text, mothers, than Romans 12, 1 and 2, and, uh, and so let's give ourselves to the reading of God's Word, let's uh, stand to our feet. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is God's word. Let's pray. And so, Lord, as we begin our time, we give you thanks because of all of your great mercies in our life, in our church, and, Lord, in this community we call Kings Mountain. None of those three places are perfect, God. We don't come here today with two-faced as if we have it all together. And Lord, as we make our plans and set our vision and lay out our goals, Lord, we do that understanding. We are not in charge. You have the right to change any of those because we have given you ourselves and this church is yours. We have just had the privilege of laboring in this field for the last 10 years. And so, Lord, we want to labor faithfully and actively and obediently. And so, Lord, help us, we pray. Help us to know, to roll up our sleeves this morning and say, what does it look like to carry out the Great Commission over the next four years in Kings Mountain and Cherival and Bessemer City and West Gastonia and Shelby and all the places that our people live. Help us, we pray. Have a mind for this this morning in the next three weeks. Give us a mind for this, God. This is important. Fill us with your spirit so that we can understand what you are doing and how we can join you in your work. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have moved from laying foundations to casting vision. We're moving from the what, so to speak, to the how. 
And we'll, all we're doing, if you got your sermon notes, they'll be incredibly helpful. You'll notice for the next, this week and two more Sundays, the main idea is our purpose statement of the church. If you go to a church and you don't see a purpose statement, you better leave because they intend on accomplishing nothing. And so a ch- purpose statement of a church will tell you something about what motivates them, what their goals are, what they desire to do, and what they desire not to do. And so look at our purpose statement. We're just going to break down the first part of it this morning. The purpose of Battleground Community Church is to glorify God through Christ-exalting worship as we grow together in biblical community while going with the gospel to all peoples. If you go to our new member, Equip, you'll know we say this every time as part of our training. We have one what, and that is to glorify God. But to say that we're going to glorify God as a church, or listen, in your life, and not to tell anybody how, I mean, what does it actually look like? What are we going to do and what are we not going to do is is almost a meaningless statement. And so what we wanted to do is take a few weeks to sort of break down how we seek to glorify God. First, through our worship, through our worship. This is just sort of a paragraph that I, I wrote that sort of summarizes what I hope for you to get this morning. Worship is more than our singing or Sunday services, kids' ministry, or any other aspect of the church. Worship is an all-of-life-encompassing posture of the heart. Will it, with it, we willingly surrender the right to our lives so that we might glorify God. Our lives are bound up in God's glory. The desire to give God glory leads to exemplifying, prioritizing, and multiplying of biblical worship. So we're going to park the car, so to speak, spiritually this morning on worship. There's some things that you're going to notice is obviously not included here with worship. And these are things um, that are our, some of our non-negotiables. We're not going to change it. Matter of fact, when, when we began to lay the church out, we tried to organize the church in such a way that it would be hard for anybody to come after and reorganize this because we felt like it was so important to what the Bible says how things should go. First is we are going to keep and prioritize expositional preaching. We are going to sing Christ-saturated Christ-exalting music. Music, they were not picking, we're not arguing over genre or anything. We're sitting there going, music should set the table for the word and it should call for a response to that word. We're going to celebrate the ordinances and we're going to saturate our service with prayer and scripture. So what is Christ-exalting worship anyway? Well, now let's go to the text, because even though this is not your typical expositional text, let's start here, because I can't help it. First, what is Christ-exalting worship? It's first a ransomed life. Students, we just got through doing 180, you'll recognize that word. You could say a saved life, a redeemed life. Matter of fact, if you got Romans 12, just flip back a, a couple of pages it's two pages in my Bible. To Romans 10, 9, you know this passage. It says this. It's good news. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your hearts. I'm quoting it. I end up quoting it in the King James because I was raised in King James. You're welcome there, brother. And uh, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your hearts that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Verse 11, for Scripture says, everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is the Lord of all, bestowing His riches on all who call upon Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's good news. That's where worship begins. Begins with a ransomed life. And a ransomed life should lead 
to what Romans 12, and I'll flip back to Romans 12, a surrendered life. A surrendered life. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by brothers, that's generic, brothers and sisters, believers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. There is a therefore there. You see that? So everything he has said between Romans 1 and Romans 12, he has built up. And we're, hey, by the way, we're going to Romans next. Woohoo! I'm excited about it. And this is the turning point. Romans 12 is the turning point in Romans. One of the, one of the most intense and explicit works of our doctrine and theology is in Romans. But Romans 12, he says, because of this, I urge you. I urge you. It's the word paraclete. It means to come alongside of you, to encourage you, to implore you. Why? He says, because of God's mercies. Time would fail us the rest of the service, wouldn't it, to recall God's mercies? But let's just think about God's mercies just from the gospel, just from the ransom side of it for a second. The mercy of God is our but God moment. When the, when the word came, the spirit moved, and the spirit changed our very natures and gave us a desire for Christ and for his word and for his will. Mercies of God was the spirit of God that indwells us and that seals us. The mercy of God is to be adopted into a divine forever family. Where a father never kicks out his children. The mercy of God is God's wrath that's turned into divine favor forever. Mercy is to have the power over sin in this life and the promise of no sin in the next. That's mercy. These mercies are too numerous to count. But that is important, just like it is important for us to go back and to watch that video for some of us and to say, let's remember when, where we came from, how we got started. It's important for you to go back and remember the mercies of God in your life. Because he said, because of that, we should offer. What? Offer what? Your life. Your life. Now, if you don't have some knowledge of the Old Testament here, this verse doesn't quite pop with you. And, and I don't have the time to go back and get into the sacrificial system to help you understand it. But suffice it to say that our sacrifice for sin has been paid in full by Jesus Christ. But there were other sacrifices that the people of God made of dedication and thanksgiving. It required the the death of an animal. What he's saying here is something completely different. That the New Testament has a living sacrifice. This is visible. This is voluntary. This is our dedication to God. So what do we dedicate? It's interesting. The Old Testament people made a sacrifice. The New Testament we are called to be a sacrifice. It's different. He said, because of the mercies of God, offer your life. This is the only, this is, what the, this is the text. You can go back and look at it. It's the word for logic. He said, this is the only logical thing to do. To offer your life. If in fact, Jesus was raised from the dead and everything he said is true and every promise he's made for you is yours. He said the only thing that makes sense in this life, the only reasonable response for you today is to offer your life to him as a sacrifice. It's logical, it's reasonable, and it is our last word, our worship. That word, if you get your translations, if you look at different translations, some say worship, some say reasonable service. It's because the word can mean either way. Listen to this quote. It takes many times of hearing this truth, speaking of Romans 12, 1 and 2, for the contemporary believer to get it right. 
God is not asking the believer to dedicate his gifts, abilities, money, time, ideas, create, creativity, or any such thing. He is asking the believer to sacrifice himself or herself. Quoting Oswald Chambers, We have the idea that we can dedicate our gifts to God. However, you cannot dedicate what is not yours. There is actually only one thing that you can dedicate to God, and that is the right to yourself. If you will give God your right, the right to yourself, you will make a holy, He will make a holy experiment out of you. And His experiments always succeed. The one true mark of a saint of God is the inner creativity that flows from being totally surrendered to Jesus Christ. That's what he's asking of us. What will carry us in the, four year, the next four years is to what degree we are willing to, to offer ourselves whatever he wants to do with it. A ransomed life leads to a surrendered life, and a surrendered life brings a transformed life. That's what verse 2 is about. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. A transformed life. So you see, there's, there's, a, there's a ransomed life, a surrendered life, and a transformed life. Interesting, the language here, and we're going to look at it more when we, find, when we get to Romans 12. But the person who sacrifices himself has one central overriding non-negotiable here. I hope you see it. He refuses to be, I don't know if this is a word, but I really like it if it is. If it's not, my wife will correct me later. He doesn't want to be squoze into a mold, like a piece of Play-Doh that you can either make a bird out of him or a butterfly or a baseball. It just depends on how you, want, how you, how you push him into that. Here's what believers are saying. They're going, I am not going to be pushed into the world's mold. I don't care what it costs me. Not going to do it. That's what, he's, that's what he's getting at. That this conviction brings transformation. This, this transformation is something people see. It is, it is, at the end of the day, outward and visible. It is present tense, by the way, passive voice, which means simply means it is going to happen to you right now, and it's happening to you. You are not doing it. The Spirit of God is turning. Isn't this what Romans 8.29? We seek to be conformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. By the way, that's the heart behind a Christ-saturated life. A Christ-saturated worship. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, We do not lose heart. Though the outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed. There's our word there. We're being renewed. So though this transformation is outward and visible, it has an origin. The origin is a, ch a changed heart. This is why redemption is important for transformation. We don't tell people they need to stop this and start this. What we want them to do is to be redeemed, is to be ransomed. And if they are, then what happens, what the Spirit of God does, is He begins to transform you and change you. That's what is happening. And that's what we desire. We present our lives as thank offerings, dedicating ourselves afresh and anew because of the mercies of God. And we give ourselves to not press ourselves into the world's mold, but begin to discern and decide. That means that we are trying to, to discover and to put in action. Discover and put it into action what God's will is. It's first, Paul in 1 Corinthians said it so simply, so, whatever you do, 
Whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Another way to say this is worship. My vision for our worship doesn't begin with just what we're doing here today and what it's going to look like here in the next four years. It begins with what happened in our lives this week because everything we do is part of our worship. So Romans 12 gives us the foundation of our application. So now let's look at how we will exalt Christ into the future. How will Battleground Community Church exalt Christ? Through our worship. First, worship exemplified. That word exemplified just means modeled. It means exampled. How will we glorify God for others? Because our desire to glorify God is inseparably connected to worship. We worship what we ascribe value to. Uh, This is, in my mind, just to try to get you in sync with me this morning, in our lives, in our church, in our community, over and over again. In our lives, in our church, and in our community. This is a fountain in the middle of a pond. You ever seen it that comes up? And there has a little reservoir up here. Maybe the second one's a little bit bigger. And as the water comes up, it fills one. It overflows into the other and finally fills up the pond. If we don't get it right in our lives, we won't impact our community. We seek to put Christ on display. I just want to offer three, three things. Could have been plenty. We must pursue holistic holiness. That is a desire to put Christ on display in every nook and cranny of our individual lives. We need to live more sacrificially and more missionally. We need to ask God, how do I set myself up now so that in four years from now, I am living more like a missionary than I ever would thought possible. Listen, if I told you, and some of my leaders will bear witness to this, if I told you what is in my mind for you over the next 10 years, it would blow you away. Why? Because I know what God has already done in my life and in our life and in your life, we must first pursue holistic holiness. Listen, missional means messy. Missional means messy. If you're going to, to worship the Lord, you're going to have, have to labor into each other's lives, and that's a mess. Mine is, yours is, ours is. Secondly, we need to attempt great things for God. We need to attempt them. The purpose of your life is to not be just comfortable. If our lives are His, trust Him and take a step. Quit saying I can never afford to go on a mission trip. It's not true. God can more is able. Hasn't He proven us to this? Fixing to start a renovation. We had no way in and of ourselves to have the money to do that. But it's in the bank right now. Right? It's in the bank. We're starting. Take a step. There's urgent needs around us. I heard a a friend say this this way. What about if we thought this way? You you get your your tax return or money comes from some other way. You didn't plan on you didn't plan on it getting it, and instead of just consuming it. On some other toy or something, you're sitting there going, I wonder what God wants to do with that. And it won't take long with that mindset for God to show you. It means that some of us needs to rescue the abused. Some of us needs to adopt and foster or to fund somebody else to. We need to come alongside people that nobody else want to come alongside. You're sitting there going, isn't that risky? Yes, it feels risky. Now, don't argue with me philosophically that there's no really no taking no risk with God because He's sovereign. That's true. We all believe that. But brothers and sisters, it feels risky when you step out. Amen? It feels that way. Attempt great things. But listen, if we are going to see growth 
in here and in our community, believers have to start discipling other believers. That is not the responsibility of your pastor. The responsibility of your pastor is to equip you to make disciples. Amen? We're, if, if we grow, we grow because we are willing to wade into the mess of somebody's life to help them follow Jesus, even though 8 out of 10 of them will walk away and never even give you a thank you. Disciple someone. How about in our church? How about here? We desire to be rooted in the gospel, established in the center of our city. That was what we decided with the elders at Parkwood at the very beginning, that Paul would go into the center of a city, and there he would establish the church. And so God placed us here in Kings Mountain, and so we found the Joy Theater. Why? Because it was in the middle of Kings Mountain. Then by God's providence, he opened up this place for us. We will not compromise on the preached word. That is one verse at a time, one book at a time, rightly divided and applied. But we must model authentic worship. This is huge. Authentic simply means genuine. It means trustworthy. Your your small groups are talking about John chapter 4. Where the woman at the well tries to skirt the issue. And he, it all comes back down to God desires those who worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. That is not simply the Holy Spirit, which is true. But he desires from us, from the overflow of our spirit, from the overflow of our heart, to worship him in sincerity. It also requires that when someone comes in to be our guest and worships with us and then sees you Monday at Walmart, they see the same person. That's the greatest thing that I've battled since coming here, this hypocrisy. 1 Peter 1.22 gets, gets to that word. It's what sincere word means, by the way, without hypocrisy. It says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of a perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Now, read that verse backwards. Since we have been redeemed, we should without hypocrisy... Love each other from where? From in here. From the core of who we are. What Holy Spirit should be producing in your life is a greater love to love and to be with each other. This bubbles up as it was in that fountain and runs over. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through him then let us continually offer up a Sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Should be authentic worship, and this is big. We should be expectant worship. We seek to model an expectant worship. There should be an eagerness to worship God, to gather with his people. Just turn with me to Psalms 147. Psalms 147. It's important sometimes to remember. That's what Psalms 24 is about. Who are worshiping or worshiping the Lord or worshiping God. Psalms 147.1 said, Praise the Lord. For it is good to sing praises to our God. For it is pleasant and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcast of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their name. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble 
and cast down the wicked. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to God with a lyre. There should be an eagerness. Eagerness to be healed. Eagerness to be lifted. Eagerness to be put back together again. Eagerness to be corrected. And eagerness to experience His power in your life. Whatever that's going to look like. It also demands expectancy. Now listen to me. Get, get back with This is important. I can, I can list all these other little practical things. But these are the main things. What did you expect this morning when you got up to come to church? Or maybe when someone got up and chose not to. What were they expecting? What did you expect the Holy Spirit to do this morning? How much time did you spend in prayer asking God and His the Spirit of God to do something this morning that only He could do in the lives of people who desperately need it? Worship demands expectancy. Listen, worship demands preparation. And by the way, never sit under one of these preachers that says, you know, the Spirit just gave me something to say this morning, so I'm going to whoop. Back. That, what that means is he didn't take time to prepare. The Holy Spirit works through preparation. Where I pray over every word. Every word is prayed over before I stand up here. Expectant. Prepare. Did you prepare yourself to meet God this morning? That is a contagious worship. It's contagious like COVID. You know, just get, what is it? I don't even have, we didn't even have to touch each other, did we? Some viruses, you just, you just get close. That's what that whole six feet thing. We won't get into argument about that. But it's true that when you're in the proximity of a sick person, you might just get sick. Worships that way. A person who is eager and expectant and prepares. There's another P here. Passionate. A person who is passionate. I, I have friends that aren't white. Let's put it that way. And it's interesting to talk about our cultures. People that... We all worship the Lord. Y'all are being pretty quiet this morning. And you will never know how hard that is to preach to a quiet group of people. I'm just saying. It is. It's harder. But there are people, matter of fact, they were explaining it to me. You ever, you ever seen them? You're preaching in the congregation, in, in and you, you, maybe you're watching it, maybe you've been to a service, and somebody just, Steve just stands up. You know, I'm preaching, he just stands up. What is he, why is he doing that? Has anybody ever asked that question? Instead of saying, what's wrong with him? Right? You know, what you know what he's doing? When he's preaching the word, he's saying, I'm going to stand on that truth. That's why they stand up. Part of their culture. And if we are going to grow as a church and mature, we are going to have to pray to God that He brings people who worship God from different cultures and they're going to sit right there beside of you and it's got to be okay when they lift their hands or stand up or holler outside. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm praying to God for it. That has nothing to do with compromising the gospel. Our passion and their passion over the gospel does not always look the same. But listen, it's contagious. In your life, in our church, and in our community. We joined the Pillar Church Network not too long ago. The long-term purpose of joining this church planting network is to put us together with other like-minded churches both locally and globally so that we could help each other. It's interesting. We're in a unique place even in Kings Mountain. It could flip on a dime. Right now we have people that's in power 
in the, in the government that'll let us worship God freely in Jesus' name, even in public places. I was just part of the day of prayer at City Hall, and we all prayed. Every pastor that prayed, prayed in Jesus' name. We have, we have been engaged in, in communication with the city about having community worship events where we could sing multiple churches, come together for the good of our community, and worship the Lord publicly in His name. And listen, that can change in a heartbeat. we got to do something with that. Worship exemplified is worship prioritized. Prioritized in our lives. What God desires in our life is Psalms 1-2 Christians to delight in the law of the Lord, to meditate on it day and night. That is, when you go to work tomorrow, you should have something of God's person, His power, and His promises inside of you that you are meditating on even as you're working. We put it in there day. We put it in there at night. Why? Because we leak. <laughs> we leak. First Thessalonians, we, we prioritize individual worship through our prayer life that is selfless and constant. I stand here today with Stage four cancer in remission because of the power of prayer. And it it wasn't just because we prayed when we got here. It's because people were praying for me in the morning and in the noontime and at night and even across the ocean. Worship begins in your home and it bubbles over like a fountain into our church. Now I know these are depressing statistics that you're just true. We just need to drink, drink our medicine. Post-COVID, pastors saw one in four of their church members not come back. The scarier pattern is before COVID. Of those who come, they only come once or twice a month. They just pop in up for occasion. This is the new normal in the church. We must ask ourselves, what a kind of pattern of life is this? And if you pop into church once or twice a month, how often will your children pop in? We got to some work to do. God's word tells us that we are servants. And that we are stewards. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 says, This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, verse 2, listen. Moreover, it is required of a steward that they be found faithful. It is required of us that we be found faithful. Why? Because of the mercies of God. We are praying here to God that he brings not perfect, not wealthy, not even talented, but first and foremost, that he would bring us people who would willingly give up the right to their lives to the only one who deserves their lives. And if this happens, a worship will happen in how we sing and how we serve and how we love our community. Servants do not serve their masters intermittently, begrudgingly, but eagerly and joyfully. And that bubbles over into our community. I want to introduce you to a term. We'll, we'll be talking about it more uh, next week, the next two weeks. Look for places in your life that you can intersect your life with unbelievers. They're there. Community intersections where you can intersect your lives with the broken, with the hurting. That's what us going to the rescue mission is about. It's not about serving them food. It's not just about doing a Bible study. It's about creating a divine intersection whereby we run ourselves intentionally on purpose and crash ourselves head on into the lost and the broken of this world so that we may see them changed.
that produces multiplication. Exemplified, prioritized, multiplied in our lives. For the last few years, this has been one of those things that I, I just can't read and think and meditate enough. How can we experience more of the glory of God? How, how can I experience more of Him? How can I multiply my worship by redeeming what time I waste? How can I infuse worship into my work, into my hobbies, or maybe even as simple as the errands you run? Some of us have long commutes. How can you infuse worship into that? Multiply that. But more importantly, you know, God is the one who saves. But what is our part in creating these authentic worshipers? To see them multiplied beyond ourselves, beyond our families, you have to do a couple of few things. You have to do a lot more than this, but a few things. You got to let people in. And you got to get out. You got to let people in and you got to get out. I'm talking about hospitality. Hospitality is worship. But some of, some of us like to cave up. Come on now, we work hard. But some of us deal with people all week long. All week long we talk to people one after another. And the last thing we want to do is to get a cup of coffee or invite somebody over to our house. This is not about what you feel like. This is about worship. Creating worshiper is what we desire to do. You've got to let people into your life. I know they've hurt you. They've hurt me. <laughs> but God's grace is sufficient for our hurt we got to let people in, and you got to get out. But just find simple ways, simple acts of worship in our everyday life. You know, this is the, the motherhood aspect. Through the seemingly meaning, meaningless, repetitious, aggravating, God calls us because of the mercies of God to be content and to treat those things as opportunities for worship. Third, we have to visibly obey Scripture no matter what it costs us. That'll multiply in our lives and in our church. I use this illustration a lot when I meet with people or new member. Whatever comes up, we'll uh, we'll meet with as long as it takes. Um, but. Here's how I describe myself, and you're this, this, uh, this is a description of you too, by the way, but even, even me, my constant responsibility is your pastor. I am like a traveler in the desert, and what I'm seeking to do is to bring a person through a desert and bring them to the oasis. The oasis is the church of God because that's where the people are. That's where the Word is. I'm trying to get them to that and when I get them to that, I expect us to grab a hold of those people. To labor into their lives for God's wrong. And I can't do anything about people that I bring halfway and they turn around and go back. I wish I could. But I've, I've not drugged anybody through the desert yet. I've tried a few times. But once we get to the oasis, i got to go back and get another one. Worship will multiply when we take this understanding. It's a simple reality. We invite people to do what we ourselves enjoy to do. Or we invite people to try what we ourselves enjoy to try. A good dessert, favorite vacation spot or a restaurant, or, or if we get a bad one, you know, Putting your reviews up there. Whatever you do, don't eat at this place. So, what are you excited about? What brings you joy? Growth comes as we love our neighbors, as we open up our lives to invite them into our lives and then invite them to worship the Lord, not simply to come to church. 
How about our community? Now, now this is important to, to Micah and myself. This is huge. So if you want to know what your pastor's hearts are, I'm fixing to explain something to you here that you need to understand is a central heartbeat of your pastors. We would like to develop pastors and worship leaders for the benefit of the local church. Pastors and worship leaders for the benefit of the local church. Why? Because Parkwood developed and deployed us for the good of the local church. That's what God the Lord calls us to do. And so here's what is here's what one thing that has already happened, and I mentioned it at the beginning. My brother Chris Parker, he was pastor in upstate North Carolina. When he came into Dallas, me and him established a sermon team. And so he's preaching through vision right now too. And then a little bit later, he's going to be preaching Romans too. And Romans through the same as me. And we meet together every week. And when something happens in our lives individually or our churches corporately, we, we lean on each other. But I, but I have signed on the line to invest my life into that brother. So help me God. Here's what I'm asking you today. Who is that person for you? You got to have one. You got to have at least one. Your life is more than just consuming or sitting on the couch and waiting on a check to come in. He's, he's given you a life, lab, leverage it for somebody. We've established a sermon team. We want to do that for a reason to equip and to support and deploy pastors. More than that, God has given us an abundance of people with the ability to sing and to play instruments here. Not everybody has that. And I've asked myself, Michael, why did he, why did he give that to us? Well, we didn't have that in the beginning. We had a few. There's a few of us that were there to start with. But God has purified the worship team. I've got, we've got nobody on our worship team that it has two faces. Praise God. We seek to multiply that. There are churches that need help. They don't have anybody leading worship today. We want to train them, equip them. We want to have a praise team rotation that goes to other churches. And if God so calls them, it plants their lives there. We want to do internships. That's 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 us investing our lives between with the 18 to 35 year old. That's how we want to see worship multiplied. So what? I just wanted to lay out some goals here. They're not all of them. They're just all that I think we can start laboring towards right now. Um, here's, here's a big one. I want you to pray with these. But everything I've said before is essential. Well, I want to pray that God will provide 125 active members in the next four years. 125, and I said active, right? You say, Pastor, what does that mean in the church? I'd have no idea. That's God's math, not my math. I'm asking him for 125 active members. Active biblically. We will seek to open our lives and invite our neighbors to worship. Uh, we're going to talk more about this language. What I'm asking you to do there is what we're going to talk about as a church doing better is to create what in some missional worlds they call sticky. That is, when people come into the church, there should be a sticky factor that makes them stick. Putting like, well, I, we, I want to put Velcro on you. Right? So people get close to you, they, they stick. Hospitality is a sticky factor in your life, of which if you do not have it, it will impact our worship and growth into the future. Open up your lives. Invite your neighbors to worship God with you. And here's a third. We will finish our renovation in its entirety. What, however many phases God's got on that thing. 
that we see that comes up. And you know if you've ever done a house or anything else or a business, you never know what's going to come up into the future. Here's a, another one. We will begin community worship events with our city and, other, and with other churches. We're going to worship to God with other churches. We're going to, we're going to get out of the walls and get, whether it's at the park or wherever the city will let us, and raise our voices to King Jesus. Be good. We're going to quit all of this politics in the church and all this flexing our muscles. We are the body of Christ. And we all have the same mission. And we will grow our leadership development of pastors and worship leaders. This is what we desire to do. Will you pray to join us? I'm going to talk about more of what biblical community next week. But would you, would you join us in this work? We cannot do it alone. But together we can do what God has for us. Let's pray together. And so, Lord, I, I know this message has been a little bit different than what we normally are used to, but, Lord, vision is important. And so, Lord, I pray that every person individually in this room right now has goals and visions for their life. If not, Lord, that you would allow them to take a little bit of time to pull away and to see what those things are. Lord, we don't desire to just be automatons in somebody else's plan. We are your servants. We are here to accomplish your plan. And you have told us in your word what that is. And so, Lord, we, we ask you to help us now. We need wisdom. But at the same time, Lord, what we desire to do right now, what we have entrusted to our praise team now this is just lead us in enjoying your son to just worship him to exalt him this is why you put this church here so we might sing the gospel over each other over those in our in our lives how we long to be saved. We long to come to the tables together as a group of believers remembering the body and the blood of Christ. So Lord, you be worshipped now. Let us do nothing to quench your spirit now but to come to you in repentance and faith and ask you to forgive us now and to receive our worship, to be with us as we come to the table so that we might experience you and enjoy you now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen.